Hello, welcome to the 9667 podcast, everyone. Today's guest is a wonderful, spiritual and talented lady who we met a couple of years ago when we were house-sitting for a friend. She has a range of talents from performing as a solo singer with a band um, and owns a, her own emporium in Scotland. We thought you may enjoy her company as much as we did, so we got her to call in. Uh, hello to our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners, please? <laughs> Hi, thank you very much. That was a lovely introduction. I feel very important all of a sudden. Oh, my, name is, <laughs> my name is Leslie, Leslie Graham, and I live now in Dornoch in the Highlands of Scotland in Sutherland, which is way up, way north of Inverness on the way to John O'Groats. Um, yeah. Hey, welcome to the 9667 podcast, Leslie. It's lovely to see you again. We'll thank you as in virtual. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we thought we would let our guests know a little bit more about you because we absolutely loved your company. And um, okay. I'm really interested in um, Pandora's Emporium. So my first question to you is, when did you become interested in vintage and retro fashion? Um. I've always been a bit strange, a little bit quirky, even as a child. And my my family, we were kind of estranged from my granny on my dad's side, my grand, my, well, my grandmother, who was the only grandparent that was alive actually after you know when I was born. And they'd fallen out. And I remember my dad taking me to see my granny, and she lived in a very nice part of Glasgow called Shawlands. These beautiful old red sandstone. Um, tenements but were red sandstone absolutely beautiful with great big high ceilings and everything and my dad took me to see her when I was nine and I don't really remember seeing her before that but she took me into her bedroom and she showed me there was shelves all the way around the high ceiling about two feet from the ceiling there was a shelf all the way around her bedroom and it was covered in boxes of shoes oh <laughs> nice Heaven. yeah so Every shoe she'd ever had made, every shoe she'd ever bought, she kept them pristine in boxes. And she had size two and a half feet. Oh my wow. gosh, wow. I know, well, I only have size three feet. I yeah. have four, so. <laughs> I know, well, I'm getting a wee bit bigger as I get older, but she gave me a pair of suede winkle picker ankle boots with an astrakhan cuff. Nice. don't know if you remember ever seeing anything like that. they were very very popular in the 60s and 50s and 60s actually and these were pristine yeah, um, yeah. because in the 80s yes when the, the gothic kit, uh, thing came in yeah that's right they went back to some of that with the long toes then didn't they that's right yeah but uh, she gave me these boots and I don't think I took them off my feet for about a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> and of course, my mother hated it. My father was dis distraught because he knew that it would, my mother would know that he'd taken me to see my grandmother. So the boots were a bone of contention in many ways, but I adored them. I had them for many years. I just couldn't bear to part with them, but I've lost them now. I don't know where they went, but uh, yeah, I had them since I was nine. And that was my... My, the start of my little shoe fetish, my vintage shoe fetish. Oh, that's how I feel about my Doc Martens. Like, I could not yeah my Doc Martens now. It's unreal. I've had them for mm. years and I've loved them. Mm. Uh, the older Doc Martens are, the better they feel on your feet as well. Oh, yeah, they're so comfy. It's like a cushion. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Leslie, what is the story behind your shop, Pandora's Emporium? Well, um, I, I met my ex-partner, Andrew, who actually is now living in Carrickfergus with another woman and is doing a very similar business to what I was doing. He kind of, it's almost like he's, you know, he learned loads and he's taken it forward, which is really exciting because they've got a, an Emporium as well in... Um, in uh, White Hill on Sea, I think it is, near Carrick Fergus, near Belfast. Anyway, um, I was always interested. I dressed in vintage in my teens and my 20s into my 30s when it wasn't popular. It wasn't something that a lot of people did. Um, so I always dressed and I used to have my, my shoes handmade by a woman called Elaine Barry in Brixton. And because I had such small feet and finding decent, you know, shoes that were wearable really in those days was, was almost impossible. Um, and I started buying and selling stuff when I lived in London. I'd go to charity shops. Um, I went to car boot sales. I went all over the place finding vintage treasure, basically. And I had loads of it. And when I met Andrew, he said, you really need to start a business because I have two rooms in my house <laughs> <laughs> full of vintage stuff. But I, he set me up on eBay and I started selling under the name Miss Kinky Boots, actually. Oh, I started, love Kinky Boots. Oh, no, Miss Kinky Boots. I started selling all over the world. I was selling, you know, um, 1920s long gloves and hats to Japan. I was selling vintage Valentino back to people in Italy was selling to Australia. I mean, it was incredible that the stuff that I was finding and the things that I was doing, just, it was just a hobby, you know, it really was just for me to clear out all this magical stuff that I'd collected over the years. And Andrew, my ex-partner said, you know, why don't you, why don't you just start a shop? <laughs> and wow. it was around about this, yeah, around about the same time he was saying to me, why don't we just move to Scotland? So I moved up and I saw the house that I was living in until I moved to Dorna, the house and the shop were all one building. It was like next door to one another. Lovely. And it just, it, yeah, yeah, it just sang to me. It looked terrible. It was a mess. It was filthy. It hadn't been used properly for years. The house was in need of some TLC. It was all sorts of stuff wrong, but actually I just had a vision. I had a vision oh. and it became Pandora's Emporium 14 years ago now. What can visitors to your shop and online store, you just sent in briefly some of the things you were selling, what can they expect to see when they come to your store? Well, the sad thing, obviously, at the moment is like most people in small retail, you know, independent retail businesses, it's shut and it has been shut for most of this year. And, and last year I was ill because remember when I met you guys, I came home and I was actually quite ill for a few months. So I had a blood clot. Oh, I didn't know I yeah I didn't know I had it when I was down there um but so that kind of put me off my feet for a while and then I was just getting ready to open in March last year I was going to open for Easter and we had the first lockdown and really my shop hasn't been open since so visitors to the shop at the moment I'm not even sure if the shop is going to remain where it is because I've moved house I'm going to obviously try and move my business I'm going to try and move it to Dorna I think but basically what you can expect is Wonderland <laughs> I think the best way to describe what happens when people walk into the shop because you can't really tell from the outside what you're walking into that people walk into the shop and 99% of the time their reaction is oh 
wow. Because I've got everything from 1920s silk handmade gloves. In fact, earlier than that, I've got I've got some um, Victorian handmade late, you know, the ladies would have made gloves for the ladies of the house. And I've got some wonderful things like that. I've also got some old designer, I've got some 90s designer stuff. I've got some, um, I've had vintage Valentino dresses. My favorite piece at the moment is probably, strangely enough, a Barkitect's dress, Barkitect's dress, Maxi from the 70s, which is on my website. It's absolutely stunning. It's just a beauty. So yeah, it's everything from shoes, bags, jewelry, artwork, photographs, little trinkety things like photograph albums from, you know, Victorian um, photograph albums and handmade ladies' handkerchiefs and just anything that is just beautiful in its own wee way. Anything that sings to me. So it was your um, ex-husband who um, inspired you to create your shop? Um, he wasn't my ex-husband. It was, he was, we, we never got married. Um, but no, he suggested that I should have a shop because I had so much stuff. But I actually, no, it, all the inspiration, I hate to sound terribly big-headed, but all the inspiration came from me. <laughs> of course, I'm the credit. <laughs> How how would you describe your own style and how would you say that that reflected on your personality? Because we when we saw you, you know, you dressed very casual and it was like you had this humble approach through clothes. Um, yeah, it's very unusual to see. And like I felt so as we as we know, I felt so comfortable in your presence. Like, how would you say that your style reflects you? Um. I'm fairly quirky. I think you probably know that. Um, I don't really, I don't like designer stuff myself. I don't like wearing designer. Well, I did when I was younger. I had some stuff, I had, but, but it was always vintage. It was vintage designer. Um, but now I love linen. I love natural fabrics. Um, I like layering I suppose I'm, I'm quite a, a, a versatile dresser I've got lots of different colors I, I love black and gray and white and stuff like that but I also love very into purple teal turquoise so I'm fairly colorful and I think my most probably my most quirky item that I have at the moment in my wardrobe is a very nice quite quite heavy hat actually um that was handmade for me and it's a dragon called Jessie. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I know. So I have a hat. I have a hat. And, and Jessie's head is above my head, of course. Oh. So people see see the dragon coming down the street. And I've got this wonderful felted, grey felted coat at the moment, which is just like a huge thing that wraps around you. And I absolutely love it. I love fingerless gloves. I love handmade, handmade scarves, hand, hand you know, silk handmade silk things I'm just really into anything that's unusual and that people but I get stopped in the street actually people stop me in the street and say you look nice or where'd you get your coat yeah a woman said to me last week because I had on a herringbone tweed cap my big grey coat a beautiful teal scarf that somebody gave me as a birthday present fingerless gloves 
I was walking along the street in the snow and this woman actually stopped me and said, she said, you look like you've just emerged out of country casuals. <laughs> or No, it wasn't country casuals. She said it was something like that, like a magazine, you know, for country styles. Like, yeah, it's not really her. practical. <laughs> What's your current favourite piece for sale in the shop? My favourite piece in, for sale in the shop at the moment, there's a black 1950s party dress that is boned to the waist and then has a flare-out skirt. And it's very structured and it's got some beautiful, like, um, pin-tucking, uh, uh, net pin-tucking on it. And then these beautiful, um, like, dark opalesque beads around the skirt it's absolutely stunning yeah that needs to go on my website or it needs to go online I think at the moment I need to actually just pull some stuff out and start selling it online more mm. Aww, well that's that sounds lovely I cannot wait to see pictures of that I'm mm. I, I love that I'm I'm a petite girl obviously I'm like five foot and uh yes it, it's a struggle but I would love to wear maxi dresses oh my goodness yeah um, so you mentioned briefly like vintage valentino are there any other favorite brands that you do have that are like vintage designer brands that i have or that i like myself both both Go uh, um well i have had i have i've had some fantastic vintage nicole fari um it was 80s stuff that i had and then when i split up for my husband actually i got rid of all my vintage i cleared my wardrobe out i i had a huge sale at kempton park Racecourse. i went to one of these like vintage sales and i sold every item in my wardrobe that was vintage because wow. i just was kind of changing myself you know yeah yeah so i started again collecting after that um but my my favorite designer is probably vivian westwood yeah. 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 And I've I've I've, I've had some um, vintage um, Nicole Far not Nicole Farry um, Sandra Rhodes in the shop before, and that was just it was something else. I mean, it, for her time, you know, she was so creative and ahead of everybody. And and I love Alexander McQueen as well. Alexander McQueen is just magical. His his stuff is magical. Do you come across any punk? Uh, Vivian Westwood items? I've had some, I had a, a couple of Vivian Westwood things. Uh, one was like a slashed punk, you know, very crop, not crop, but very short sleeveless tea thing. Yeah. Which was fabulous. I'll tell you a little story about Vivian Westwood, if you like. Oh, go for it. Well, I lived in yeah. London for 30 years and I used to, you know, hang out down King's Road and stuff. It was one of my favourite places to go and I was a singer in a band. And I used to regularly go into um, Vivian Westwood's shop at, um, um, oh gosh, oh, I've forgotten the blooming name of the it place. Was, called sex. was it, it, was it not? Sorry? It was called Sex, was it not? No, it was bef before Sex. It okay. was um, Vivian, hang on, Vivian Westwood's shop. Oh, it was at the World's End. It was called the World's End, I think. Or was it called sex? Do you know that's awful? Showing my age now, aren't I? Anyway, <laughs> I used to go in there and it was great because Malcolm McLaren would be in there or the Sex Pistols would be in there and there would just be all these wonderful, wild and wonderful people hanging around. And it was it was a very exciting time and a very exciting place to be, you know, in the 70s and the 80s down yeah, the King's Road Hyde there. Used, Chrissy Hyde from The Pretenders, um, I think. She yeah. Was in the shop. Um, and Jordan, 
who was um, quite big in the scene, um, following right, uh, the likes of Adam and the Ants around. Um, Your, and I, my mum knew Adam, uh, Adam and the Ants' mum, because they went to the same day centre. Can you believe that in St what John's Wood? Wow. She used to talk to me about um, Stuart, his name was, wasn't That's it? That's right. Stuart Goddard. Stuart Goddard, yeah. And I, I had, for years, I had a, a signed photograph of his that my mum got his mum to get for me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was fab. So besides like the lockdown situation, obviously, that we're currently in, aside from that, what would you say the most challenging, you know, parts of running a shop are? What would you say the most challenging part is? The challenge, most challenging part is keeping it fresh, I think, especially when you have a shop that can become overwhelming because you have so much stock and because I'm so it's not cluttery I know I, I know you'll understand when I say there was a lot of stuff in the shop but when it became overwhelming for me I had to take stuff out because I didn't want people to come into the shop and feel overwhelmed because there was so much I mean I had flags on the ceiling and disco balls and fairy lights and bunting and oh, I mean it's just mental it really is mental walls of mirrors and it, it, it just could become overwhelming. And for me, that was always the hardest thing. Knowing when to stop with a window is also quite hard when you're doing window dressing. I'm a bit like an artist in that respect. I would spend two days doing the window and then walk past it for three days and then go in and take one thing out. And then it was oh, fine. <laughs> yes, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, yeah. What are the main things to look out for when purchasing uh, retro pieces? Um, I always look for the quality of the cut. Have they cut, have they matched the pattern? You can tell if it was a, an expensive item by the seams often, by whether it's a generous cut or a small cut around the arms, for instance, um, how they finish the buttonholes, the buttons they've used. Um, yeah, there's lots of things that you can look for. Um, and it's still quite difficult. I've, I've had occasions where somebody has asked me if I wanted to buy something from them to sell in the shop and it's been an original Christian Dior cardigan from the 50s or something like that and sometimes it's very hard to be sure that they are original because there are some damn good copies out there now and so lots of people yeah would be the advice you would give someone who wanted to start up their own shop advice um make sure you've got plenty of stamina um, make sure that you are organised because that's definitely one of my failings. I'm organised in the shop and I'm organised. I get very excited about doing display, about dealing with uh, customers and clients, about doing window displays, about making everything look fabulous and dealing with the public. I don't get very excited about doing all the behind the scenes stuff like the books and, you know, just the organizing i've always need i've always said my whole life i've said i need a pa <laughs> dave dave says that to me all the time he's like i need a pa and it's like dave doesn't even do his own taxes <laughs> oh i know it's so like i need you i need you to be my secretary i need help <laughs> all the time with like, everything bless him yeah but it is a it is a sign of being a creative if you're a creative person you are only excited by the creative stuff. And I understand that now. So I actually have to make myself just do things like 
you know, answer emails and stuff, because I would quite happily live my entire life without doing any kind of admin, opening any letters. Me too. Me too. I, I was the same, like, for my book process, like, I really had to, like, figure out, like, you need to edit right now. You need to stop. You need to edit now. <laughs> and that's where it came yeah. for me. Like, yeah, you have to. Being disciplined is hard, eh? Absolutely, yeah. Like, they say you learn it with time, but I don't know if that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, when did you become interested in becoming a Reiki master and how did you become one? Well, I worked as a beauty therapist when I first went to London. I was 16 when I went to college and I was 17 when I went to London and I worked in the Holiday Inn at Heathrow Airport, and I worked at the Skyline Hotel at Heathrow Airport, ran the, the, the beauty salons and stuff there. And I used to absolutely love doing massage. I was very good at massage. I learned, I trained normal Swedish massage. Then I went on and I did things like, I did um, reflexology, aromatherapy, I did shit and um, not, yes, yeah, acupressure. Um, I did like special massage techniques for faces. I worked for a woman in, Swiss cottage in London called Madame Borel and she taught me how to pick up each individual muscle in the face and the neck and the decolletage and all of that kind of stuff so I, I, I was always fascinated by learning more about what I loved doing and when I was massaging people they used to say to me they used to turn around and look on to see if there was a heater on the ceiling because they felt huge amounts of heat and or they would say things like, well, what are you using? Thinking maybe I was using deep heat or something like that, or an oil or tiger balm or something that was heating up. Um, but it wasn't, it was my hands, um, my own energy, my own just natural healing energy that I think has always been there. And I didn't know really what it was and I didn't know how to control it or how to understand it. So I started looking around and um, decided to go and do Reiki healing. I did Yusui Reiki when I was in my 20s, which is over 40 years ago now. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, That's just scary. Yeah, you have to detox, you, don't you, for a month or so? Um, I don't remember because it's a very long time ago. <laughs> And I don't actually remember. What I do remember is is absolutely feeling like I completely understood what people were talking about when I was massaging them. Because when I felt it from other people, it was just like being charged. I felt like I was charged. I, even now, when I reiki myself or I go into a bit, I do a bit of. Um, it's not tai chi. It's um, qigong. I do a bit of qigong, and I do I connect into my reiki energy myself quite often and it seriously even now it's like because i've done yusui reiki and i also when i came up here i did celtic reiki which was very different but similar in lots of ways but you know lots of differences as well but one yusui reiki you pull the energy down from the universe and then celtic reiki you pull the energy up through your feet through your roots and the first time i did it i just about pulled myself in half i couldn't stand up wow yeah, so I just, I think because I've always been aware that there was something different about me, I didn't know what it was. The, the Reiki really helped me to tune into myself and understand my own energy and my own healing abilities. And 
yeah, kind of that, that was probably what really set me on a spiritual path as well. I should be on yeah. to some of that, you know, when we go up to see you. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, I can do it distant as well. I can send you distant Reiki. I do oh, send distant. I sent you distant Reiki when I knew your back was bad, Dave. Uh, yeah, it's still it's still a little bit like that. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's no fun having back. a bad back. <clears throat> but we'll, we'll have to arrange a time when you can send me down some again. Absolutely. I'll do that. I'll do that. Because all you need to do is just have somewhere quiet to relax. And I just tune in you here and send anyway. it to you. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I, I look forward to that. Yeah, that'd be lovely. I think I want to like dive into it a little bit more. Um, okay. And, and like tell our, um, our listeners. So you, you've said there it's like a form of healing. So what? how would you describe um, being a Reiki master? Like what do you do as a Reiki master? What's your sort of benefits? Well, I'm, I don't, most, most people who become Reiki masters actually go on to teach other people because that's the point of becoming a master at something is so that you can teach other people. And I never wanted to teach other people Reiki. I just wanted to be able to do it for myself and to do it for my animals. Um, but I don't know. Reiki is, is hands off. Usually you don't have to take your clothes off. You don't have to put your hands on someone. It's about, for me, it's about channeling energy. It's about channeling positive healing vibrant energy and when I do do somebody if I actually do somebody in the flesh and I have them lying on a couch or whatever here and I put my hands over them for me I feel often what's going on in their body I feel it in the sort of corresponding part of my body and then I will say but I'm also quite psychic you see so I'm not really ever sure which bit is is doing what I tend to ask people I tend to say I can feel this this is here and they'll be like oh how do you know that and I said, because I feel it in my body, I can feel it in my body. That's so fascinating. That, that's amazing. That's like, <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah. Jeez, I'm blown away. Quite amazing. <laughs> I don't know what to say yeah. that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So would you say you've always been a spiritual person? Like, was there a moment in your life that suddenly awakened you that you were like, wow, I actually am, like you mentioned, I am psychic, I am spiritual? Um, I think, again, going back to my early childhood, because of the family, well, you know, there's a, the theory is that you you choose that. I think we even had this discussion when I was an Everpreach. The theory is that you choose the family that you are born into because those are the lessons that you need to learn in this lifetime. And I struggled with that for a very long time because my family just didn't know what to do with me when I was a child um they all thought I was mad and they you know continually my dad often used to say to me don't let people hear you say that because they'll lock you up don't you know I was just I was like a fairy I mean I just <laughs> I just I wanted to sing and dance and spin in circles and play with puppies and <laughs> swim and walk in the sea and in my clothes I mean they just didn't know what to do with me. I was very different. And I don't think they were prepared for me because they were just, they're not my tribe. Do you know what I mean? Like those people are not my tribe. So it was it was quite hard as a child because they, they tried to, I don't want to upset anybody by saying this, but they literally tried to beat it out of me. They tried to physically beat it out of me. 
because it scared them. I think that's what's with most people is, um, you know, when it comes to accepting some something that's somewhat alternative, you know, it's like when people look at us because it's a little bit different um, and people don't understand it and they, they refuse to want to understand it too. Um, I think that's what we struggle with. Um, yeah being in yeah. you know our age gap but I think that's just for everyone where it comes to like fashion what music you like um you know who yeah. you are as a person there's definitely a level of acceptance that some people just can't understand sometimes it's quite sad yeah it is sad and and I, I I believe that that that's one of the reasons I think that I have tried throughout my life still try every day to be completely non-judgmental I try my hardest it's very difficult at times because you know I'm 62 certain things will creep in now and again that I don't like and I think god where did that come from or but generally I have lived my entire life being non-judgmental and I love it now because I'm I'm I I don't know I feel like a lot of people trust me because of it a lot of people often will talk to me about things or say something to me and there's like I have no idea why I'm telling you that Leslie and I think it's because you trust me because I am not guarded the way so many other people are because I'm open because I'm accepting of who you are absolutely that's, I think that's why like I had that deep connection with you myself and yeah I, I yeah. don't know and who it was I was just drawn in by you and so, like <laughs> yes, exactly. by you yeah, people, absolutely. I mean, my ex-husband used to say to me that I was a nutter magnet because I could go on the bus and you could guarantee there'd be 50 other people on the bus, but there would be a person who would come on who needed help or needed to talk to somebody who was had learning disabilities, something, something that he called a nutter. And um, they would come and they would sit beside me or they would come and talk to me. They would just, it was like, I, literally like I radiate some kind of signal that, attracts people to me that need me for some reason at that point yeah nut yeah. word nut is a bit strong isn't it exactly exactly but you know that that's that's the sort of thing but that's my that was my ex-husband but I, what my what i'm saying is that i can attract i attract all kinds of people all kinds of people and that's, often they said to me he's the ex-husband <laughs> <There we are. laughs> hence the ex absolutely well there's a story with that but yeah Hence the ex-husband, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned briefly there you're you're this singing fairy. So how long have you been singing for? And how did you become a like I call you a professional singer because I personally see you as that. How, yeah. how did you, you know, start singing? What what did it for you? What started all your your singing career? Um I just as a child, like I said, you know, I was always like a fear. I was always singing, always dancing, always putting on shows. We lived in a little avenue in um, Rutherglen in Glasgow that was called Westfield Avenue. And there was a girl called Lucia de Rosa who lived down the road from me. And me and Lucia de Rosa would put on shows in her garage for our mums and dads and for the other kids and stuff. <laughs> so I was just always, always, I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a singer. Then I wanted to be a vet. My dad told me I wasn't smart enough to be a vet. So I thought, well, that's all right, because I'm going to be a famous singer. <laughs> and Love yeah, and it just, yeah, just always, you know, I just always, and I went, I started singing, I sang at the Maud. There's a, a, a thing in Scotland called the Maud, which is a national singing competition. It's all in Gaelic. And when I did it in, I think it was 69, I did it. Um, 
there was no music. It was unaccompanied. You sang unaccompanied. And I got a medal when I was nine or ten at the mod. And I hadn't sung Gaelic. I didn't speak Gaelic. But when I went to Tarbert from Glasgow, I moved to the West Coast to a place called Tarbert. My dad had a hotel there. And the school obviously discovered I could sing. So I was in the choir. And then they taught me the Gaelic songs. So from the age of nine, I've been singing in public. Yeah. And then I went to London when I was 17 in bands, show bands, um, all sorts of stuff, really. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Rec recording. I've done some recording. Yeah. Um, would you perform to us a piece of, of your favourite song? <laughs> oh yeah, let's get her singing on the air, definitely. Okay. Voice. Um, um, I've, I've got lots of, that's one of your other questions about the favourite song. That's so hard for a singer who's been singing for, I've been singing for nearly 50 years. In fact, over 50 years. So there are many songs that I've sung loads of times and I never get tired of them. But then there are other songs that I hear every now and again and I just think, or new songs that I hear and I think, wow. I'm absolutely loving Imelda May and Noel Gallagher at the moment. Just One Kiss. It's a fantastic song. But yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of a song called Baby I'm a Fool. And it's, this is, as I'm getting older, I, I'm in a seven piece blues band. You know that, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Called Doogie Burns and the Cadillacs. Just give a little shout out to the boys there. Um, and I also sing solo, so I'm getting more into blues as I get older. And this is one of the ones I've been doing some online stuff for Doogie, who runs the, the Cadillacs, uh, Doogie Burns. I, he's been doing some online concerts and uh, I've sung a few times for him. And this is one of the ones that I decided to try. Um, and I absolutely love it. It's called Baby I'm a Fool and it's originally performed by Melody Gardo. Take away. So I just tell I okay, I'm going for it. Just to let me know that you can still hear me all right, because I've yeah, got my hear you down here. How was I to know that this was always only just a little game to you? All the time I felt you gave your heart, I thought that I would do the same for you. Tell the truth, I think I should have seen it coming from a mile away when the words you say or baby, I'm a fool who thinks it's cool to fall in love. If I gave a thought to fascination, I would know it wasn't right to care. Logic doesn't seem to mind that I am fascinated by the love affair. Still more. My heart would benefit from a little tenderness from time to time. But never mind, cause baby I'm a fool who thinks it's cool to fall in love. Mm. 
But never mind, cause baby, I'm a fool who thinks it's cool to fall in love. Baby, I should hold on just a moment and be sure it's not for vanity. Look me in the eye and tell me love is never based upon insanity. Even when my heart is beating, hurry up, the moment's fleeting. Kiss me now, don't ask me how, cause baby, I'm a fool who thinks it's cool to fall. Baby, I'm a fool who thinks it's cool to fall. And I would never tell if you became a fool and fell in There you go. Wow. That was amazing. Thank you. I'm actually crying. You wow. are not. I actually am. That so I had to go and do the crying. Oh my god, I'm crying. That's fantastic. Thank you. Well, well done to, to put you on the spot. And and <laughs> that's just absolutely incredible. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. For thank that. you. <laughs> Made my day. Uh, yeah, oh, that's lovely. Amazing. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Um, thank you. What was it like performing solo um, uh, as well as in a band? Do you have a preference? Um, I love I love performing with the band. There were seven of us, and when we all get together, it's just great fun, and it's wonderful to sing with six fantastic talented you know musicians um and every time we've got saxophone we've got a harmonica we've got a lead guitar bass guitar acoustic guitar um it, it's and a drummer dave i mean it, it's just fantastic We're, they're all brilliant musicians and it's great fun it's just it's just the buzz is fantastic when I sing on my own, it's much harder work because, you know, if you've got seven people in a band and you do a gig for three hours, you're not, you know, you're not in the spotlight all the time. It's not, you know, Doogie's the lead singer with the Cadillacs as well. And I just do backing and I do the occasional song and it's not my bag. Whereas when I'm doing a solo gig, it's all down to me. And that's actually quite a lot of pressure. I have to rehearse usually for two, three weeks ahead of time I sing usually for a day uh, for an hour or two every day when I've got gigs booked and that's a bit of a worry at the moment because of course we don't have any gigs so I'm not singing as regularly as I would normally be and I feel like it's that's affecting my fitness because my upper body strength my lung strength and everything is diminishing because I'm not singing as much as I should. 
really very lucky to hear you tonight. Thank you. Well, that's any time before. I'd love that. Yeah. Oh, oh well, I can. I I've been starting to do some little sound bites. I can I can send you a sound bite if I'm recording. If I'm singing at home and I record it, I can send it to you and see what you think. You can give me feedback. I would love that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <Get> all <laughs> emotional over it. I think that's wonderful. That's lovely. I love it when people get emotional when I sing it. (laughs) Yes, just a lovely, it's a lovely, a lovely sort of vindication, isn't it? That I'm touching somebody emotionally with my singing. I think it's wonderful. What's your favourite music genre? And who are your current favourite bands? Do you have favourite artists at the moment? Mm, Well, I think, I I, I mean, I love Imelda May and um, I'm loving what she's doing with Imelda May and Noel Gallagher. I'm also, I love, um, oh gosh, see, I'm in memory, isn't that awful? <laughs> um, Alison Krause, I love, uh, Robert, Alison Krause and Robert Plant have done some great stuff. Um, I like kind of rocky, I like, um, I've seen people like live, people like Bonnie Raitt, for instance, absolutely fantastic, phenomenal jazz rock blues female singer i love um katie tunstall strangely enough as well i love texas and charlene spatiri um i love adele i love singing adele songs they're very difficult to sing and i love singing adele songs i love amy winehouse so i don't know there's loads of i'm, I'm quite eclectic as well i also like um What's his name? The guy sang, I'm only human after all. What's his name? Oh my goodness. I remember now. I, I saw Great I song. Yeah. I, I, I've got a very eclectic taste in music and I like listening to the radio because sometimes I hear lots of stuff on the radio that I've never heard before and I'll go off and look for it. I think, wow, that's great stuff. I also like somebody called Ivior, who is from, from um, the Pharaohs. She did all the music for a thing called Kingsland, was it called or something? Anyway, she she's she sings in her own native language. And for me, it's just haunting, haunting, Celtic. Her voice is incredible. Yeah. So, I'm, I, you know, if somebody says to me, have you heard this? I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> so I'm quite easily pleased when it comes to music. But my old favourites would always be people like, I don't know, Queen. Absolutely love Queen Elton John. Went to see Elton John many times when I lived in London. Saw Prince, wow. the Eurythmics. Wow. Annie Lennox is fantastic live. You know, just I could go on forever. It just sounds like I'm boasting, but I lived in London for thirty years and I saw some magnificent musicians. I used to go to the One Hundred Club and stuff. Ronnie Scotts and places like that as well. Do so you know, I still haven't been to London. I still haven't been there, and I've lived in the UK my whole life, and I haven't been to London yet. How funny is that? I know, I would crazy. I, I don't think I want to go back to London. I think I've been and done everything I remember want to do in London. I want to go other places now. Um, yeah. You're all about your favourite artist, but if you could perform alongside any, any of the artists, dead or alive, who would it be? Well, because of the emotion thing, I love feeling emotion in people when they're singing. I love when their music makes me get tingles. Um, so I would, I mean, I probably, I would have, my first choice would have been Kirsty McCall, but of course, 
Kirsty McCall's no longer with us either. So that is sad. I love Kirsty McCall. But yeah, Adele, I would probably love to be able to be on a stage with Adele and feel like I had some kind of, you know, emotional connection because sometimes when she sings, um, I just think she's really good at portraying it. A lot of people are recording artists and they're manipulated. But, you know, when you see and hear Adele sing live, she has a natural ability, I think, to move people. Oh, but the other, yeah, the other one would be Robbie Williams. <laughs> oh, Robbie Williams. When I was a kid, it was that song. It was, let me entertain you. That yeah. song. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I Rock played, we had tapes back in, we had, like, cassette tapes then. And, like, oh, all the time, my dad used to be playing that in the car. And my mom and my cousins used to play it for me. <laughs> I used to scream no, I just, when I was, like, yeah. a kid. I, I sing naturally in the same key. I've got a very wide range in my voice. Well, it's not as wide as it used to be now, but I could sing bass, baritone, tenor, um, alto, soprano. All my life, I've been able to hit a high C. It's a lot harder for me now. So I'm, that's why I'm singing differently. I'm singing softer songs. I'm using different bits of my voice because I've always been a like a belter. I was a rock singer, you know, when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. So I was like Susie and the Banshees. I was just nuts. Yes. Queen. So I've got a lot more control and I think it's beautiful that you said that I, I touched you with you know singing that song because that's a very different style of singing for me I've only really been singing stuff like that in the last year or two I love that I thought it was beautiful yeah. I really really listen yeah listen to Melody Gardo she's fantastic so on that note if you mm. can sing only one song for the rest of your life <laughs> what would it be and why this is probably the hardest question yeah and I and I read when I read these when I came home from work I read these and then I went off and you know tidied up and got myself organized and got some water and stuff and I was thinking about that and I thought I actually really don't think I could answer that because it's changed throughout my life my favorite song has changed when I was younger and I was in I was in rock bands my favorite song to sing was um Alana Miles, um, oh, this is my memory thing again. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Hang on, I'll just look it up. You'll know the song. Alana Miles, Black Velvet, Mississippi in the middle of I the dry love that song. Oh it's a fantastic gosh. song. I love that um, song. I yeah. play it all the time. Day paint. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite songs for a long time. Um, and the other one that I absolutely love singing now, and I sing it quite regularly when I'm rehearsing because it is a hard song to sing and I have to really push the vocal out. It gets my lungs working. And it's um, Amy Winehouse, um, Back to Black. Yeah. He always says goodbye with words I cried a hundred times. It's a great song. Love yeah. it. Laura's yeah. favorite. Queen. Queen. Which one? Amy, she's just she's just the queen. Oh, she really is. is. She's oh my goodness. astonishing. It's absolutely tragic. It was tragic. I, I I remember seeing her. Her management had obviously taken her to Poland or Lithuania or somewhere, and were making her go on stage, and yeah. she was off her face. And I thought that poor woman. No one is watching out for her. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart. She couldn't sing. She was so far gone. She just couldn't do it. And I thought, how dare those people push her out on a stage like that? Absolutely. It just was tragic. I, I hate how um, 
all the blame is always put on Blake. I really yeah. feel that. And I don't really believe that it was all his fault. Um, you know, he's taken accountability and, you know, I think everyone was involved, really. They let it, they let it happen. Yeah. You know, people recording artists or, or people like that are, are not just don't just have one manager. They have a team of people around them. Oh, and how yeah. how one of those people didn't have the guts to stand up and say to the management, you know, that this is wrong. What we're doing is wrong. That that is disgusting. Actually, I, I felt so sorry for her at that point. Such a shame. Such a shame. Thanks. You've been in like rock bands and you like you love jazz and blues. So, um, yeah. What's been your most memorable performance so far in your career? Most memorable performance was probably I did um, I did a show at the London Palladium when I was in my thirties. Um, and it was to raise money. It was a charity thing that we did, and it was a guy who had lost a baby. Um, to some, in St Peter's Hospital, the, the, the neonatal unit didn't have enough incubators. So when his baby was born, they didn't have an incubator for the baby and his baby died. So this guy organised, he was uh, some kind of producer. I can't honestly, again, many moons ago, 37, 40 years ago. No, not that long ago, 30, 25 years ago-ish. Um, and he organized this thing with everybody that he knew that had a talent. He, he advertised for people. We gave up every Sunday for six months. We rehearsed in um, Guildford in Surrey. And then we put on a show at the London Palladium um, on a Sunday. And we all, for, you know, invited audience and sold tickets and stuff. And we raised money to buy three incubators for St Peter's Hospital in Chertsey but it was wonderful it was a fantastic experience to be at the Palladium on that stage the revolving stage I did a, did bits from Les Mis I played Madame Thanadier um, from um, Les Miserables where you know the, the you know the, the song where she's talking like the master of the house watch him run amok catch him as they fall never know your luck when there's a free for all <laughs> here a little dip there a little touch never never's nothing well they don't take much Anyway, yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I'll never forget that. And my mother was crying because I'd spent all my years as a child going round in a circle on a Sunday night. You guys won't remember it because you're too young. Sunday night at the London Palladium where the stage used to go around, da, 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 da. And I used to go round in the sitting room, round on my, on my feet, <laughs> waving at them saying, I'm going to be on that stage one day. And after I did that show, my mum came out and she, because she didn't recognise me when I was on stage, she couldn't know, didn't know who I was. Uh, like um, she couldn't pick me out, you know what I mean? Even when I was singing lead, she didn't think it was me because I had a wig on and blah. And she said, she was crying and she said to me, it's one of the nicest things my mother ever said to me because she wasn't great to me. She said, you said you would be on that stage and I never believed you. Aww. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So the Palladium. If you could there must be a record of that somewhere. It was called Black Horse Productions. Oh, yeah, we'll have to yeah. see that. Black Horse Productions at the at the London Palladium in the what in the nineties was that? Yeah, in the nineties. So you played London Palladium. If you yeah. could play any venue across the world, where would mm. it be and why? 
And this one just popped into my head when I read them earlier, Carnegie Hall, because my dad used to say to me, he would, I would be missing an action. They didn't know where I was. And then my dad would find me dancing on the bar for the punters with my handbag, my little handbag out for money. And he used to say things to me like, you think you're at Carnegie Hall. One day you're going to, you know, one day I'll take you and show you Carnegie Hall. And you'll look what it's like. And it was just, Andrew Carnegie was a famous Scottish guy. We've got Skibo Castle just up the road from me here in Dorna. And, that, and Andrew Carnegie built, I think he built Skibo Castle. Um, and he was a, just a famous philanthropist. And uh, I think I would love to sing at the Carnegie Hall or the Grand Old Opry. Yeah. And uh, describe your surrounding areas to, to our listeners and what it's like living in Scotland. It sounds a wonderful, amazing, um, enchanted uh, place like to live. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the photos are just beautiful that. that I've seen. They're absolutely Thank you. Oh, Dornoch is stunning. And I lived in Brora. Brora is, is 20 miles further north on this east coast. Um, I mean, literally, if you drive up the East Coast where I live, you will literally drive off the road at the end of Scotland on John O'Groats. John O'Groats. Yeah, I mean, I am, I'm, a, I'm, I'm 250 miles north of Glasgow and I'm, I'm 60, or now I'm about 50 miles or 40 miles north of Inverness on the way to John O'Groats. I'm literally almost at the end of the bit of the land. And where I am in Dornoch now, I'm on the Dornoch first, so it's a, a bit of land that sticks out and we're surrounded by water. And it's the old um, royal borough of um, Sutherland, Dornoch. So it's beautiful. It's got an old castle that is now a hotel. It's got the Dornoch Cathedral, which is where Madonna and Guy Ritchie were married. Yeah, it's got lots of very ancient history and it's just beautiful, lots of links. And of course, the famous Dornoch Golf Course, which is literally, I can almost see the clubhouse from my from my upstairs window here. Well, it's one of the most really famous, it's, 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 I think it's in the top 10 golf courses in the world. Wow. Oh my God, mm. can we like go visit like right away? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but just you. I know you'll love it. It's because you know, you know, we, we went to. I love Glastonbury. I love anywhere where there's old buildings. I love anywhere where there's ruins. And and I've been to Dornoch a hundred, you know, hundreds of times because I lived twenty miles away. I used to come here to work twice a day, so I've been here hundreds of times. But when I moved here and I started walking around the town without any, you know, reason, just wandering, it was. It just struck me as absolutely stunning. It's just beautiful. It's a lovely place. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I feel very lucky. What's your favourite place you've travelled to and why? New Zealand. Um, and I went, you guys know I had a broken back, yeah? I had, yeah. I had back surgery. So I, I broke, my broke my back in a horse riding accident when I was in my 20s. And I finally had it fixed for your listeners. I finally had it fixed and pinned and pulled and wired and stuff in 2015. You're a very great lady. <laughs> my, well, my spine was disintegrated so they saved me they saved my life and they saved me I can walk and you know I, I've just done 50 miles in January for to raise funds for Maggie's Highlands which is a cancer charity and it was brilliant so I can walk you know fantastic um, 
I've forgotten what the question. My favorite place was New Zealand. Is that right? Was that yeah, was your, that my your favorite place? Yeah, just I just had such an amazing time when I was there. I was away for six weeks. It was pre-surgery, so I had a broken back, and I I thought I was heading for a wheelchair. So I decided to go traveling by myself. Um, and I went away for six weeks and I went to um, the United Arab Emirates and then I went to New Zealand and then I went to Thailand. I went to Bangkok and I stayed in Bangkok for five days, which was a bit of a mistake. I should have gone to Bangkok and gone to Chiang Mai. I should have had longer. Um, but New Zealand was unbelievable. The South Island of New Zealand. I've never seen anything like it. People say it's like Scotland, but it's just bigger wider more open less people less cars stunning spectacular the people are amazing the food was fantastic i would marry a new zealand farmer if you could find me one tomorrow oh, we're gonna start an episode of the bachelor he's got to have a bit of maori in him and he's got to have maori tattoos that's got to be part of the package okay well we'll put a requirement sheet out and get people to eat in. <laughs> Uh, Leslie, what are some of your favourite childhood memories? Favourite childhood memories? I lived um, in a place called Tarbert on the west coast and I literally would come out of the front doors of the hotel across the road onto the beach onto the, it was, and it was a, a shingle shore, it wasn't you know sandy, it was a shingle shore but I had my own canoe called Dolphin we had our own one wee rowboat, but I used to literally come out of the hotel in my swimming costume and swim the opposite shore. And I remember even when I was out with dolphin or, you know, out, out on my canoe and stuff, quite often the seals used to come around and sort of, they were interested in sort of having a look to see who you were or what you were. And we had basking sharks that used to come up as well. I had one particular basking shark that literally came alongside me and just I, I was going along in my canoe with this my hand on this basking shark's back wow yeah and they're enormous I mean they are enormous they're like 30 feet long it was huge if it had brought its head up it would have tipped me over and I don't know what would have happened but it's just one of those things that's never for, I've never forgotten and the other one was Brora Beach when I moved up here in 2007 and I went to Sorry, it's not a childhood memory, it's just a memory. I went to um, the beach with my dog. I just got my wee dog and we were on the beach at Brora on Christmas Day in 2008 and there was a family pod of dolphins playing. And the tide was at that point where it wasn't coming in, it wasn't going out, it had, you know, it was still. And then just as the tide started sort of going out again and they had got these little waves, there was like a mama, it looked like two adults and a baby, a young, you know, a youngster. And they were just playing in the waves and we stood on the sand and watched them and they stayed in the water and watched us. What? It was unbelievable. Yeah. What are some of your guilty pleasures? I'm interested, I'm interested. <laughs> what are some of your guilty pleasures? Guilty pleasures, the occasional smoke. Um, Strictly Come Dancing, is that even a guilty pleasure anymore? Absolutely <laughs> love Strictly Come Dancing. I must admit, I did love the Bill Bailey when Bill Bailey was on. Oh, he was brilliant. He was amazing. He was brilliant. Do you know, I don't think I have a guilty pleasure because I, for over the last 45 years, maybe I've been working on myself so that I don't feel guilt because of the way I was brought up and 
you know, things that happened to me. I think I've had a very strong sense of guilt for a lot of my life. And I'm working on my own personal freedom now. So I don't actually think I've got any guilty pleasures. I've got lots of pleasures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that may yeah. lead into the second question I have. Right, so okay. Share a secret or hidden talent with our listeners. Uh, a secret or a hidden talent? Again, I don't think I've got many hidden talents. I think because I'm so out there, aren't I? I'm, I'm hardly a shrinking violet. Um, the secret, actually, I've got a secret. It's not a secret. Some people know it, but I do, it's not something that I would widely, um, you know, flout. Um, but I did get phoned up. I, I went to a lot of auditions when I lived in London for, I, I auditioned for all kinds of bands. I auditioned for shows. I auditioned for lots of stuff. And so lots of people saw me. I auditioned for stars in their eyes and opportunity knocks, the X Factor. Um, and I've done the voice. I was invited actually to audition for The Voice two years ago. I auditioned for The Voice in Glasgow. So somebody somewhere has always kind of seen me and heard me, but I've never really made it through. And then I was at home one day and I got a phone call and I worked from home as a sales rep for um, an insurance company, um, animal insurance, horses actually. And I picked the phone up and said, company. And um, this voice said, hi, my name is Susie Quattro. I, my husband, Len Tucker, saw you at an audition. He gave me your number. Um, and I wondered if you were free to go on tour. And I said, uh, sorry, who is this? And she repeated herself. She was going on tour with Michael Jackson and she was inviting mm -hmm. me to go on tour as a singer, as a backing singer. Oh my gosh. And I thought it was, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was somebody playing a joke on me. So I laughed and said, I said, is this for real or something like that? And she hung up on me. Oh. <gasps> oh yeah. She was going on tour with Michael. I could have been on tour with Michael Jackson. And that would have been his now, because I went to see him that year. That was his bad tour. Oh my gosh, that Huge. era. Huge. Talk about opportunities missed, eh? My God. Wow, what well, I would have given to like see Michael Jackson perform. Oh, Michael goodness. Jackson was unbelievable live. I saw him at Wembley Stadium. I was crying. I was crying. He was fantastic. I didn't go to see him. He was actually playing with Kim Wilde was his support act. And I wanted to see Kim Wilde. So I went to see <laughs> Kim Wilde and Michael Jackson blew me away. Aww. He was unbelievable. Fantastic performer alive. So was Prince. Prince Prince was possibly the best live performer I've ever seen. So yeah. Besides uh, from singing and running your own shop, what are your favourite things to do in your spare time? I love good food and if yeah. restaurants and stuff were open, I love going out for a nice food. I love walking, walking around here, like walking on the beach. I paint. I do a little dabble with a bit of acrylic painting. Um, and I like pottering. And I know that sounds like a strange thing, but I like pottering, pottering about moving things, cleaning stuff, seeing if it looks different, putting pictures up. I like a day where I don't actually have any plans and I potter about because on those days I tend to achieve much more than any day when I've got plans. <laughs> Our last question is our last one we've got. Mm. I think it is. Right. 
couple more? Do you want to? Do you want to continue, babe? Yeah. What's your favourite quote? My favourite quote. There's a poem um, that I can't ever remember. Um, and I can't remember, it's by somebody called Rosemary. And I'm just trying to look it up now because I can never remember what it was called. But basically it's, it's a poem about love and it's about how to, how, how to have love, how to have love in your life, how to keep love. And it's about building a bird tree, build me a bird tree, but never a cage. Excellent. And I really like that. I just really like that. You know, be somewhere because you want to be there, not because you can't leave. Absolutely. Yeah. Freedom. Oh. Yeah. I'd love to find out. If anybody out there listening can actually let me know that poem, because I remember that poem from years and years ago, but that's the only bit of it I remember now. And I'm sure it was somebody by somebody, Rosemary. I, and I have tried to find it. But. Um, yeah, anybody who knows, give us a voice. Yeah, yeah, let us know. That would be cool. What keeps you motivated and why? What's like the main thing that keeps your spirit up? Um, music, animals, my job, actually. I'm a, you know, I'm a respite carer. Um, I spent the day to day with a lady who's 90, lives on her own in the hills in Lerg. And I cleared her path for her. I washed her dishes. I went, took her shopping. I made her some lunch. And that actually is what motivates me is I can sit here sometimes and think, God, you know, I'm 62. And, um, none of my family have made old bones. I've always thought I was going to die young. But, you know, I'm probably the most healthy out of all of them ever. So I started believing that I'm actually going to be here for you know, some time to come. Um, but seeing my clients keeps me motivated. You know, when you've got people who are in their 80s or their 90s and they've got dementia and they're just happy to be here every day. And I think, wow, that's amazing. I love that. Going out, seeing other people. I find if I don't socialise and I don't see people and I don't meet people, I can go very quiet and withdrawn um, because I just totally believe that I am a people person. I just love people. I love different people. And I get inspiration. In, you know, I find people inspirational. Like, you guys are inspirational. And I absolutely loved, you know, meeting the Middletons. And I just love meeting new people. People and, and learning about their lives, knowing what makes them tick. I love it. Oh, bless your heart. That's so sweet. Oh. And uh, last question. Uh, what's next for you, Leslie? Good question, sir, Mr. Oliver. <laughs> At the moment, because obviously the singing thing has been very difficult because we haven't been able to get together, we haven't been able to perform. So I'm just thinking of maybe doing, I should start doing maybe some live feeds myself, maybe just Indeed. from my LMG singer page, maybe just start doing some every now and again, just singing out there, putting it out there. And you know, I've been writing, I write poetry and I've been attempting to write a book for many years so that's on the burner my friend is opening a coffee shop in Tain and wants me to 
you know, do some work. So she's going to train me as a barista and I'm such a coffee snob. I don't know if you remember that. Such a coffee <laughs> snob. I can't think of anything I'd rather do for a few hours a week than, you know, make coffee and gluten-free fabulousness to feed to other people. So that's a possibility. Um, so actually the answer, the real answer is I don't know because, you know, it's like I said about this personal freedom, I'm allowing myself to take like when I go for a walk for instance I don't decide where I'm going to go for a walk when I go out my door I go out my door and I see where I go I follow my path and I think that's what I'm trying to do very much on my daily life is just follow my path and you have such beautiful paths up there to follow as well <laughs> yeah absolutely really can't wait to um get, get and visit you yeah yeah it'd be amazing amazing for you to come and visit it is funny isn't it you meet people in your life and you just know you just know when you meet them that they're meant to be in your life they're just you were meant to meet them and you guys are that for me Aww, you sum that up about you. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice isn't it Aww. okay so let's shout out your social media where can people find you in your shop shout everything well, out well yeah my social media I, I suppose the best place really is my Facebook page where um, it is Pandora's Emporium. If you search for Pandora's Emporium in Broda, that will actually come up on Facebook. And my singing page on face Facebook is, my musician page is LNG Singer. So I'm gonna spell that for you though. It's E-L-E-N-G-E-E -E -E, Singer, two separate words. And that will bring up, um, my singing page. Instagram, I think, is also Pandora's of Broda. And my website is Pandora's of It's www. I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of getting rid of my website actually because it's not really working for me. And I think I'm just gonna move that onto maybe Instagram or something or just I don't know. But at the moment, it's www.pandorasofbroda.com, which is P for Peter, A-N-D-O-R-A-S-O-F for of Broda, B-R-O-R-A, pandorasofbroda.com. And it's a very nice website. But the website that I had before, I'd done it myself. I knew really how to um, administrate it and manage it this one's a lot harder for me and I just don't have the time but it does have some very beautiful things on there there's some great photographs on there it's worth a little look and then if you wanted to know anything else you could just get in touch with me either via Facebook or WhatsApp or um, I know not WhatsApp Facebook or Instagram probably Okay, amazing. So I'll try and link as much as I can in the description box of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having, having me. On. Thank you very much for coming on to our um, podcast. Where do I find it, guys? So the 9667 podcast will be available on Spotify, Anchor. I'm working at the moment to try and get it on iHeartRadio. We're on Radio Podcast, Overcast, Beaker, basically everywhere where you can find a podcast, we're going to be on there. But our main source at the moment is Spotify. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, it's wonderful. It's been wonderful 
to 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 chat with you actually it's just been lovely it's, it's been like just having a blether <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of that night we were all at le- like that we, we were housing and I know, um, what we were time just there with like the guys left. it was the middle of the night wasn't it <laughs> we just it stayed there like all day and all night with you <laughs> i know we didn't want to go. I felt so disconnected when I left you. Oh, (laughs) strange. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. But isn't it wonderful? Sorry, Dave. You definitely have a spell over us. You know, (laughs) in a good way. More of you. Yeah, but isn't it nice when you feel that connection with somebody? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Peace and love to you. Yeah, and to you both. Lots of love and fingers crossed that, um, you know, that you guys managed to get up here. If you you can get yourselves up to Inverness, I'll come and pick you up from Inverness. You can get the train to Inverness or you can fly into Inverness and I'll come and get you from there. We'll uh, we'll try and work things out. We need to do something. We need to come see you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it would be really nice. It would be lovely. You'd be more than welcome. Oh, bless you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I'd look forward to the next time. Okay. (laughs) We'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lots of love. Love and love to you. Bye. 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 Okay, guys. So we just had Leslie Graham on. How was that for you? I felt like she was in the room with us again. I just, I'm so connected to her. It's like unreal. I just love her so much. And I just want to see her all over again. (laughs) Like I really, really do. Please check her out. I will try and link as much as I possibly can in the description box of this podcast. She's such a talented lady. She's just amazing. There's there's so much more I want to know and ask. And hopefully we can have her on again. Um, until then, you guys know where you can find us. It's Instagram, lauramarie.davidoliver. And yeah, this podcast will be going out shortly. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. And there's more to come. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Next time.